0: welcome back to the official young hunger podcast my name is michael burgess and today we are talking to Ulster rugby star mr john cooney we're going to talk to him today not just about rugby but on mental health and how he's got to where he is today take a look at some of his career highlights
1: Hi guys, I'm John Cooney. I'm a rugby player at Ulster. Really looking forward to, to speaking with Michael here on this Young Hunger podcast.
0: But John, what an absolute pleasure it is, mate, to have you on the podcast. Thank
1: you. So, where are we now? Is this the man cave? This was developed during lockdown. It was kind of a spot for me just during that time when you couldn't really do anything was come up here and get away from from my thoughts and rugby at the time because we were back playing. So, yeah, it, it developed into this where I had a screen for movies and I uh, used to play Warzone with a couple of my mates one of my mates was living in france at the time so it was a really good way to kind of reconnect with him and i know he was kind of on his own so stuff like that people don't understand it was actually a very sociable way to do it was was to kind of reconnect with your friends during lockdown
0: i see you've got the caps up here as well
1: yeah talk, talk to me a little bit about that so yeah this for younger kids i didn't even make the irish schools got called in due to injuries this my first season of under twenties got dropped after my first game. I went for a drop goal and missed, threw a ball over some uh, Ian Madigan's head, <laughs> and got dropped. But the next year, I was lucky enough to play all the games. Ten years and then, or ten games, sorry, and then 2016, 2017 was my first cap for Ireland against Japan, um, mm. in Japan. So that was pretty cool. Love it,
0: but tell you what it is. I want
1: to run through it by you
0: some stats on your yeah. career so far. So you've had one hundred two appearances on with Ulster Rugby so far. Yeah. Um. Achieving an Ulster Player of the Year, Supporters Club Player of the Year, and Rugby's Rider Player of the Year all within your your debut season yeah, was it? Yeah. John, what have you not achieved in rugby?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and
0: eleven caps for Ireland as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things I remember when I was younger, and I'm lucky enough to to win a Heineken Cup, Ammon, a league, um, with Connacht. But a couple of things at the start, I didn't feel as much of a part of the team because I was only young I only played a couple of games but I remember when I was younger I had to do a presentation on myself and I thought it was quite cool all these things that I'd won and yeah. thought it was quite prestigious but kind of now as I've gotten older it's it, it's obviously quite cool but and the things that when I look back on my career now I'll be much prouder about is, is like this get my first cap mm. when I was the only one in the, in the squad after two games not to get capped and yeah. 12, 13 other players have been capped, and I was the only one. Mm. Um, and how I kind of responded and trained well and, and eventually got my first cap. And that year as well, I came back from my third shoulder surgery, and, and I'd written down that that summer I was going to get on that tour and I was going to get my first cap. Mm-hmm. Um, and it happened, and I was a million miles away. I have third choice for kind of coming back from that injury, and people would have thought I was foolish or crazy and way off. But yeah. for that to come true, and I look back at that... When was um, that? Was that
0: your... That was, that was
1: when I was just leaving Connacht and just signed for Ulster. Um, yeah. So now, when I look back, I, I'd be much prouder of kind of my responses to the difficulties than I would be of achievements. That league with Connacht was amazing because yeah. of the, the three days drinking after. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, my kind of it's a massive paradigm shift of of seeing it as achievements to more kind of character building and and kind of the reflection of my character to to people around me and. Mm that's kind of more the achievements that I'm proud of now
0: so how have you enjoyed Ulster so far because you're with you're with Ulster at the moment you've yeah. done you've been in Leinster and Connacht as well yeah yeah, yeah how you, what is it about Ulster that sort of makes you stay
1: yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's not my sixth year now it, it seems to have flown and um, again everything was was different at the start and my ethos coming up here was was to work hard and that was it really and, mm. and try to be the best player that I can be and to that players and, and fans alike would take to me again goal kicking wasn't it was barely something I'd done at the time when I came up um, I think I'd only kicked in four or five games ever in mm. um, professional rugby so it wasn't one of my strong points and things that happened right that season end up meaning that I had to kick for the team um, Is yeah, that how
0: you sort of got started And that you take the conversions at the sure moment? So my
1: kicking it, it's a, that's another crazy story so uh, <laughs> when I was in Connacht um, I'd never goal kicked and I came out, and we had two injuries of eight halves who were kicking, mm. and I was like, "Ah, oh, give it a go." And then, also two other lads, but they pulled their groins. So then, by default, I was the last standing kicker. So you but I didn't it. even have a kicking tee, so I had to take my kicking tee off. One of my mates had a spare kicking tee, and he gave it to me. I ended up then kicking in that game, kicking in the next game, and they're like, "Well, you're good at this. You might as well keep doing it." Mm. I kept his kicking tee. Um, I actually my first seventeen kicks in. Rugby for Connacht. I got them all. It was my best ever, best still currently my best running streak of kicks in a was row. Uh, Haven't beaten it. Was my first ever seventeen kicks in professional rugby.
0: What so? What did it actually all start for you? So when did you know that, like being a rugby player was for you? Pretty much. Did you know straight away? No, or was it something no that sort of blossomed? This is
1: again another thing that I'd be quite different to most players. I'd say, that say they grew up wanting to be a footballer. Or, sorry, this is the <laughs> a rugby player when they're six, seven. I started playing when I was twelve and. No, I didn't really have that much interest in it. I was all football, so mm. I was the opposite. I was football when I was eight years old and always wanted to be Michael Owen playing for Liverpool. Um, but it wasn't until I was as late as 18, 19 that I wanted to pursue it. If you weren't doing rugby, what would you be doing? I actually have my degree sitting in the corner there. Oh, I did BCom, a commerce degree in, in UCD. So that's probably another thing. So my mum was me to do my degree out of college <laughs> or out of school, into college. And I was in the academy at the time. I think we got paid. Sorry, we didn't get paid anything. I was on a scholarship to UCD and I was studying. So we'd get up at half six every morning and we'd have to train from seven to eight. And then I'd have to go into college. And I remember I used to just get these caffeine chewing gums when I was studying. So when I was studying for exams, <laughs> caffeine I, was chewing up, gum. I was up from half six. And then I'd be in the library till 10 at night and mm. then repeat. And I don't know how I got through those exams. But I ended up completing my degree in three years as well. Three out of three years, I didn't break it up. And second year, I missed 10 weeks of college for Irish under-20s. And I somehow compensated a couple of subjects, got through. And then my last year, I actually had nearly... I think my GPA was like 3.4. Mm. But I'd done too much damage the first two years. So I ended yeah. up getting a 2.2 um, in BCom, which was considering that all my other friends in rugby had dropped out and yeah. they were playing Call of Duty all day. Yeah. Um, it was, <laughs> honestly, was it was my mum's voice in my head, but you have to do it, rugby mightn't last forever. And I'm glad now, in hindsight, that she did. Mm. But she plagued me. She's like, you have to do it, you have to do it. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad, yeah, as I said, now that I got it done.
0: How did she take it whenever you wanted to pursue rugby full-time? Was she happy enough or was she, it, she more like, I wanted to sort of focus on the academics?
1: No, again, I kind of fell into it. I just then re- or kind of progressed into the academy, and then I progressed into senior squad and just went on. And she was just delighted that I had the degree in the back pocket. And that was kind of always the plan. But she was happy. As, as I said, I was getting through that. I was going, progressing, progressing. My dad's also, he's a writer and a journalist. So that, and a historian. He's a he's a very academic man. He's, he'd be more in that spectrum than sport. Mm. So coming Is from that. Is he a big rugby man? No, no, not at all. No, he's purely academics. He's a... Uh, he he's he'd probably be more into football, mm. um. But yeah, I don't think he'd know any of the rules to be honest. But he was the academic side. So now, as I've gotten older, like English was my worst subject in school, and that I'd say he hated that because he, he's a writer. <laughs> yeah. Um, got a D, I uh, wouldn't read or anything, and now I, I get guilt about that, and that's why I've gotten a lot more into reading and and mm. stuff like that as I've gotten older. I've probably developed that side of him now that I can see kind of that side's quite important now as i get older and I, I wish i tried harder when i was younger mm.
0: well before we came here today a couple of fans sent in some questions that they wanted to ask you yeah
1: so this one here is from
0: sam duncan sbd420 and he says what did it feel like when playing for your country
1: yeah it was, it was it was kind of an emotional one and knowing that what it meant to my family probably as much as as what it meant to me so as i said that year being difficult with injuries i'd had two shoulder surgeries the year before and just got back and And to get that, I knew that meant a lot to my sister as well because she had seen how much I'd struggled with all that. But she's a barrister and, and again, she came up as a barrister not having many contacts. Mm -hmm. So it was incredibly hard for her early days trying to get to know people. And she always seemed to liken our careers to each other and how... She always would say to me that just staying there, it's gonna, it's gonna work out. So mm-hmm. I think for me to get that achievement and play for Ireland was massive for her mm-hmm. in her career. And she has always said, I just think we had the same alignment, mm-hmm. and it did kick on for her and stuff like that. So I knew her watching my mum watching that for me to stay going when times were tough, um for the work they had done for me and the commitments they made for me as well. My mum like brought me everywhere when I was younger, so. Like for her watching, that was yeah probably why I was so proud it was because of my family kind of back home. Do they do they come
0: to every Ireland game to watch home game?
1: Yeah, do my mum comes every Ulster game. She'll she? be up tomorrow. I get her from the train at like one o'clock. No way. Yeah, she comes <laughs> up. She stays in the spare room. She I loves know? absolutely loves it. She used to come up four hours early. Soup and sandwiches ready. All right. I just oh felt bad God. for us. Like you don't, you shouldn't be driving up and waiting before the game. I knew she was in the pissing rain. Uh, so now she comes with me in the car. And she goes inside, sits in, there's like a room for family and parents. she sit there, she'll have a cup of tea, maybe her sandwiches and she, she loves it. She doesn't know any of the rules, grew up not being a rugby fan either, mm. um, but she just loves going. She she doesn't stop talking, so she mm. talks to all the mammies. <laughs> she loves it, she's nearly... Is everyone up in one room, is it? Is yeah, that, yeah, but even in general, I think everyone knows her in the crowd now because she can't watch me kicking. Oh, she she, she, she can watch. watch. She'll come home and go, put on your kicks there on the TV, will you? <laughs> I was if like, you're at the game. She's like, I couldn't watch one of them, so yeah. she never watched it. So I think she's now become yeah kind of famous within the <laughs> <laughs> circle. Basically, you'll see her because she'll be like this. Uh,
0: here, tell you, there's another one here, and this is from Rossy D. One, two, three and he
1: says what advice would you give to someone maybe in a bit of a slump would that be rugby slump live slump I think it's more like life yeah I th- I, this is the thing I think there's such similarities between sport and just day to day life and this is probably something that I've gone down way more in recent months and as I said to you before I was like I'm kind of I've talked a lot about rugby throughout my career but now this type of mindset stuff is kind of what intrigues me yeah and we all get into those slumps for me it's, it's winter time can be awful here when it's piss and rain, zero degrees, and I have to go out to training. And I'm like, oh, I just really don't want to be here. I do not want to get yeah. stood on by some fat forward <laughs> and my foot's hanging <laughs> off me. But uh started doing that third shoulder surgery for me was like life-changing in my approach to rugby and my approach to life. In like a mindset way? Yeah, or? massively. But what I started doing was, was to watch videos on YouTube. It's something so simple on my drive into training because I used to have to go in for 7 a.m. when I was injured i didn't want to be there at 7 a.m yeah. so i sometimes would take a pre-workout because i knew i had to then do it yeah and secondly i'd watch videos that motivated me on youtube at half six in the morning what's your go-to um i found a lad inky johnson at the time of that injury and i honestly think he like partly changed my like, future career <laughs> yeah because he just talks about in tough times it's honoring the sacrifice that other people have made for you and and um, remembering like the character that you put out into the world and how it reflects on other people mm. and that was huge for me. as i said i think it's that it's the honor honoring the sacrifices so when you're struggling um it's really easy to say oh well this is my life it's awful and and things aren't happening my way but in the depths of that, I was just thinking of my mum and the sacrifice she made for me when I was younger. I said, "Your mum bring you to your football game or rugby game, and they sitting in the car for three hours. They don't right. want to be there, and you think nothing of it at exactly. the time. And it? it's really easy to be selfish when things aren't going your way. Yeah. Um, but I'd always watch him, and I think about her, and I think about other people, coaches, friends, people done things for me. And my best friend always took a lot from my career, and when I didn't give up, he didn't give up in his work life. Mm-hmm. And I kind of always thought about that. So that would probably be an honour and sacrifice to other people when you're in that rut and trying not to be too selfish about it. And you're big into mental health.
0: Yeah. Too Isn't there, I think you do TYF, tackle yeah. your feelings. Talk yeah. to me a little bit about that because I've seen on YouTube you had a story involving yeah. that. Yeah. So how did you... Again, did you,
1: it's, it's, so there's been, that was probably the pivotal turning point for me in my career and in my life. So as I said, I, I got a bit worried with that shoulder um, when I got a diagnosis and that that could be the end of my career and, and that was obviously tough but outside of it I was struggling with other things. I think I was essentially near living on my own, away from my family and friends. I find it very difficult to the point that, like anything, it was it was coming out in place that I didn't want it to come out through anger, through mm. sadness. A negative. And, sort yeah, of, yeah, exactly. And I got to the point where I was like, I'm sick of constantly thinking or feeling this way and it's what's insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expect the same results. Yeah. I was like, Man, I'm, I'm, nothing's changing here. <laughs> I have to do something. So mm-hmm. my sister had told me to think about maybe talking to a psychiatrist or a psychologist or whatever you wanted. And through sport, it's, it's quite common for lads to talk to sports psychologists. But I, I was like, I don't want to speak to sports psychologist because it's not about sport for me. It's about life. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I met a psychologist through and True. There's Rugby Players Ireland. And I met her and it was just like that as I said earlier it's like a paradigm shift for me in understanding my personality was actually what I took away from it most was I just didn't know myself as well as I think I did yeah that's the thing I think self-awareness to be able to kind of look at yourself from outside your body and I was like I'm missing loads of this stuff I'm not seeing myself and what exactly I actually am mm-hmm. and yeah it just kind of got me down that mindset idea that I can change it I can fix it I can work on it and that's when I got into all that psychology, into reading, into kind of bettering myself, and then it just kicked on, kicked on, kicked on. Do you think that helps with like you know when you're
0: you're doing the conversions? Because me and a couple of ones were at the the last Ulster game, and yeah. you you take the conversions, yeah, and everywhere goes all quiet, yeah, and I can only ima- I can't even imagine what goes on yeah. in your head. So how do you how do you, do you have all the mentality stuff to sort of help you with that pressure? Because the team are are relying on you essentially to get the points. Yeah, how, but- how do you keep how do you cope
1: with that? It's a, it's like mindset's like a muscle and it's, yeah. we work out in the gym all the time. We, we train, but as I said, the small little things that I do throughout the day make such a difference for that. I, I realized that I was always chasing the physical and I was in very good shape. I was very fit. I was very strong. But I was like, I'm missing something here. Like, why am I not playing for Ireland? I was yeah. like, I thought I had all the ability. I realized I could just be smarter or try to be smarter than everybody else because yeah. everyone works hard. yeah It's it's quite common. I'm going to find someone in Wales they're, they work as hard as me as a scrum hat, but can I be smarter? Like, can I listen to podcasts? Like, on everything, I'm I'm everything. Listen- I listen to one on cooling effects for when I go to South Africa so that I know how to cool my hands better and cool mm. my body core te- temperature. I'm like, I don't think most players are doing that. Mm. And I realize that the gains I can make from that aspect of trying to improve myself mentally is huge. Physically comes into my ability to understand recovery nutrition like the two one two percenters was mm. huge and i just realized i was gaining so much more from the mindset the psychological aspect of it the constantly trying to get the marginal gains in whatever way i can from studying mm. other people i think studying other people is huge like i study successful people I study athletes and what do they do i see some not like, just rugby no not at all um probably less uh, actually rugby probably <laughs> the least i study i yeah. study people like kobe Bryant from basketball american football and um, outside that like actors sports people it's just yeah i just try to watch what i can writers i've run holiday his books stuff like that so mm. yeah it's it's i'm constantly trying to watch what other people do even with kicking i'll, I'll ask questions of people being like, what do you do if i think they do it better than me or they they're good at what they do I, i'm kind of get intrigued by asking questions i think that's more important as a as an athlete to ask questions because you always think you know everything but yeah and um, just simple question what do you do there Yeah, what's making you so fast? Like, Aaron Sexton, he's won the Commonwealth Underage Games. I go to him whenever I do speed. I'm like, what do you do? Mm -hmm. Why are you so good at it? What do you do for your first two steps? And he's, what, 10 years, 12 years younger than me. But I'll always do speed with him because I'm like, I want to watch you and what do you do? You were saying there about your shoulder and things. So, with rugby, it hasn't always been playing silly because you're
0: probably doing really, really good. And then an injury or, like, a setback, I don't even mean just rugby, but I mean, like, in life because everyone has... Yeah. setbacks in some way is there anything you do sort of that helps you
1: yeah i, I think it, when i look back on my career it's it's it, nothing was ever i don't want to sound like a victim jesus um, and but like <laughs> it just never went as i planned yeah like because you were saying there when we came in you were saying all oh, but you remember this photo yeah. and this is probably all the bad things i'm like oh, yeah. dropped uh dropped yeah, <laughs> stuff yeah. like that and it's quite it's probably quite common as a sports but sport. you're always going to remember the the bad games or the mistakes you've made but yeah, when I look back now, it's part and parcel, and it's, as I said earlier, I'm probably prouder of that, the character that I've shown to keep coming back. Mm. Um, and stoicism became a massive thing for me through Ryan Holiday's books, is kind of ex- what I saw first. Um, and I just lent on that a lot. I wouldn't be religious, so I know for some people faith can be important, but for me that was essentially near like a faith. Um, I just really found the writings, for me, hit home. Like the obstacle in the path becomes the path. Like it simplifies things that you probably wouldn't see yourself. Um, and for me, it was always that. It was just, okay, what can I change personally? What can I do tomorrow? And out of Kobe Bryant's self-doubt, he's like, whether you win or lose, you turn up the next day and you do it either way. You win, you turn up and you do the journey. You lose, you turn up and you do the journey. And that's kind of what I tried to do. I, I'd, I'd like the idea of if I came in, that people would know are things going well or, or bad. Mm-hmm. because I turn up and I do the same work I'm going to do my passing, I'm going to do my kick and I'm going to do my gym and I'm the same but sometimes you can see people that when things are going well they're great they're great yeah. everything's great yeah. and then when they're going bad they I don't feel like doing it today or I'm not going to do it today but I find like for me I nearly double down when things aren't going well mm. like I remember I got dropped for the Irish team and within 20 minutes I was sitting on a walk bike and David Lloyd Mm-hmm. and my coach rang me to be like are you okay I was like I'll call you back in an hour I'm on a bike and he was <laughs> like what are you doing but that's how I dealt with it I was like okay things aren't working for me what do I have to do Is essentially is kind of my thought okay I'm going to go do it and that's mm-hmm. that's kind of being my mantra are you big into
0: goals and mantra and
1: yeah yeah graduate. I'm big into goals and again another thing I only started when I moved up here was I before every game I spend 30-40 minutes um, just with myself and I write out the goals I want in the game um, and and on the back of the book I'll probably write down my main goals again and, and yeah, stuff like that and mm. I found it yeah it started coming true a lot more yeah. than it didn't. So did you write it down? You know, like sort of visualise yeah. it Yeah. and then it came true? Some things I have to keep to myself, the crazy things that I've uh, <laughs> written down or told myself um mm. yeah, maybe when I retire no. I'll like <laughs> keep them figures yeah. for an time So what do you sort of get up to off the pitch? Yeah. Sort of your day-to-day or what does a normal day even look like to you? This is the, a difficult thing again. I've also, I find as I've gotten older, I've become way, way more committed to rugby and to it being my life. And as I've gotten older as well with these injuries and um, recovery has become such a big thing. So like Tuesday, we had a tough training session. I think I spent three hours on recovery when I got home. So I did two hours with these recovery pumps I had. Then I went to the sauna and uh, David Lloyd, then the stretch in the pool, then I came back. Then I did stretching before bed and then I did this cupping thing as well. Um so I was like, I just spent three hours doing this. So um it's all I part think, of it though, isn't it? Yeah, all- I think that's it. If you're fully committed now and you're doing the video work, you're watching training, it's it's I'm not saying it's it's hard, it's still great, I'd love to do it. And um, but even on my off day I am up kicking for three hours and and then I went to the gym and did ton and David Lloyd as well. So mm. it's part and parcel your days off during the week for me generally on days off i always go in no matter what mm. um because i like it and i know if i went into a game not doing it i'd be worried so mm. i want to go into the game with as good preparation as i can and if i'm a goal kicker and i didn't do my goal kicking on a Wednesday on the day off that wee bit a doubt now, yeah. yeah i don't want that doubt i want to know i've only missed it once i think in like four a couple of years because mm-hmm. i just i need to do it yeah and <laughs> the other day my girlfriend was like it was piss and rain she's like are you still going to do it i was like Am I still gonna do it? I was like, of course I'm yeah, still yeah. gonna do. it. I was like, do you not know me? Like, if it was pissing rain and it was snowing, I'd still do it. I was yeah. like, I don't. Do you obviously don't know me here? Mm. I was like, I'm going in the Fine rain. Fingers. I fingers. Don't care. Yeah, it's like it's an error. Rain. I'll be in bed <laughs> or whatever after. So yeah, yeah. Mm. What about like
0: uh, going off rugby? Are you like big into like business or is there any big ventures you're doing? It's right off the
1: pitch. No, but again, like this type of stuff intrigues me in terms of the kind of mindset coaching and, and I've thought about maybe going back to study psychology or, or something down that route um, because it's something I enjoy. But I, again, I go in and out of talking about it. Um, like A couple of weeks I do it and then I'll just slip out of it. So mm. I don't know. It's something I'd like to do. As I said, I have the degree um, in my back pocket. Coaching, I would maybe hey, is that like something to do you that. would sort of... Maybe. I'd like to do it in, in a capacity... Excuse me. And where I'm helping like maybe younger like academy people or skills type I'm I'm I like goal kicking I like passing I like kind of scrum half specific coaching that type of stuff I don't know I don't think I like patience for yeah yeah I think that I'd enjoy that more because you're you're helping people kind of progress whereas at a higher level I think it's just too time consuming yeah and I take losses and wins too badly that if I became a coach I just, I think I'd be <laughs> miserable. I'd be if any time I lose, I just don't want to. Once I retire, I want to be done with the ups and downs of winning and losing. Yeah, because it can be hell sometimes. Correct. Right. Mm.
0: So if if a like, if a young person came up to you on the street or yeah. even on the pitch, you were away doing like uh, like, like a kicking morning, didn't you? Like for the conversions and stuff. Yeah. And um, if someone came up to you looking for advice, not even just rugby, but on anything, what would you say?
1: It's like a high performance question. Isn't it? That's yeah. very good. Um, the one I said earlier about the hard times, because I think like people have these expectations in life that everything's going to be easy, and it, like it, it never is. It's mm. it's like true the stokes I say expect the worst essentially all the time, and I think that in in life is that selfishness that you get when things aren't going well. And I'm as bad as anyone. Like this is my life. It's crap. Oh, rugby's not going what it is. Everything outside of it's crap. But then, when you look internally, you're like, "Well, I'm I'm lucky. And maybe it's gratitude as well. I'm lucky mm-hmm. to have all these things." Um. So for me, that's important. I I still think hard work, and it's easy. It's it's so common now within motivation circles that I'm going to work harder. I'm going to be up at five a.m. But I I think smarter and harder is important. Like for as an athlete, are you gonna get up at five AM? No, because you're you're not getting the sleep required to recover. So that would be stupid. Mm. Um so I think being smart hard worker is incredibly important. I look at people and to quote Kobe Bryant is a lack of skills, a lack of mind. Like it's it's easy to go out and oh I, I did four hundred kicks. It's like yeah but how good was the quality of kicks? And um, so that's probably the smarter but I do think people they blame their circumstances. They're like, oh I'm not a good kicker. I'm like, why can't you be a good kicker? Mm. Are you doing the work required? Mm-hmm. um are you putting in the hours like i said three hours stupid on wednesday but i also was pretty happy that evening because like well i I've, I've put in a lot of work here and good quality work and i feel like i'm a better player because of it so
0: mm. we're, we're down to our last two questions you'll probably yeah. be glad to know but
1: uh have you any questions for me i was thinking earlier because i had seen you said this before yeah um i could ask you several questions um what's probably the most that you've learned From high performers or achievers Mm. that that you've interviewed, is there a common thing that they all do?
0: Yeah, I think that um, from what me and Ross have sort of gathered is that everyone sort of, everyone just is fully zoned in at what they do. And like, do not, like, I know whenever you're talking to someone on the street, they're maybe worried about what someone's thinking of them. And people that we've been talking to do not like care, they are fully zoned in on what they want to achieve. Yeah. and that is it like their goal is their life I feel like me and Ross have picked up a lot of things like that for yeah. like like everyone has this. everyone's different but everyone everyone's different like exterior but interior everyone is very the same mm. and I think from doing that
1: we can really we've really picked up
0: on that, if that makes sense, it sounds weird, yeah, but it us, I, I, it makes I understand.
1: sense. That's yeah. I said from studying people. There's a constant yeah. map of things they do. Yeah, it's like, there's a reason they why all you're do successful. The same thing. Yeah, and then just copy them. Exactly, <laughs> just copy them.
0: Yeah, it's like for rugby players, young rugby players. They can see this and see you. Yeah, see what you say, and sort of do what you did. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's I just the mention. thing. I
1: don't think if you looked at me, I'm the most talented rugby player ever. I, I was. Tandem because I played football when I was younger. I was decently fast, genetically all right, but hard work. But yeah, yeah, and it was it was that like it was trying to get better at everything. I remember chatting Jonathan Ray the other week. He came in to speak to us. I was like, "What separates you from everyone else?" He's like, "I'm not content. Mm. I think that's important. It's easy to be content with what you've done and not want to keep pushing on, but um, I think it's important to always want to get better. Yeah, and even as you get older, I think that's what people don't understand is. People look at athletes as they get a bit older and think that, no, they're constantly improving, which I feel is so important. Mm -hmm. Like every day I want to get better. I still think there's so much more to come out of me in the next couple of years because Mm -hmm. I feel like it's marginal gains which Team Sky used in the Tour de France was if you can get better, slightly better, 0.5% better every day, Mm -hmm. the compounding effect of that in a couple of months is insane and people Mm -hmm. don't see that. Mm -hmm. So if I'm doing my passing, kicking on a Wednesday, maybe not kicking it that well that day, but the next week I've improved and mm-hmm. improved and improved and last question, uh, where can people find you on the socials? I'm quite active on Instagram um, Twitter is when I kinda I, I find that easier to kinda express your thoughts. Um, I started putting up some stuff about mindset behind goal again. But John, thank you so much. No bother. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much. That has
0: uh, that has been it from all of us on the Young Hunger podcast. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed and I'll catch you guys in the next one.